You're listening to Halfway There Christian Stories, episode number 148, Deanna Wan and the Confidence of Providence. friends, welcome once again to another episode of Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We talk all about the ups and the downs and everywhere in between on the spiritual journey, the journey of life with God. It is a journey. You will go through different stages, one after the other. Some will be great. Some will be mountaintop experiences and some of them will not, and you will learn in each of them. That's the important part. So my message is to let you know that it is okay to be where you are. Embrace it. Ask the Lord what he wants to do and move through it. My name is Eric Nevins, by the way, if I didn't mention that already. This is a really great episode that I think you guys are going to enjoy. You're going to be inspired to trust the Lord once again. That is what we really want in every single episode, I want you to know that you can trust the Lord uh, constantly, constantly, um, no matter what you're going through for sure. Well, I wanted to just say before we get the show started, I wanted to say thank you to a couple of people. Um, we have some new uh, patrons on Patreon and including uh, Colin Kong. Colin, hey, thanks a lot for uh, sharing and signing up to be a patron of the show. I really appreciate that. And Brenna Siebert. Brenna, you are a good friend. Thank you so much as well. Uh, your encouragement, your kind words, whenever we talk about what you've heard on the show and uh, is is always in, uh, just appreciated by me. I always get it. It always makes me feel um, uh, just, just no, great knowing that um, what we're doing here uh, is an encouragement to your heart. Friends, if you want to be a patron and just take, it just takes a couple seconds to go out there, go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, click the support button. It'll take you over to Patreon and Patreon is a trusted source. And you can just hit that $5 a month. You can be, you can get extra conversations. I do an extra conversation every month. I got some really good ones coming up that I think you're going to like. And then also, um, if you're at the $25 level or above, I'll send you a free t-shirt. So, uh, some of these have been going out the halfway there podcast t-shirts. I kind of like it. It's kind of cool to wear some halfway there swag out in the world. Would love to send you one of those as well. All right. That's enough of that. I, I appreciate if you can help. Um, that does, does help us as well. Okay. So here is today's conversation. This is a conversation I met Deanna. I talked about this a little bit in the episode, but I met her at uh, New Media Summit, which is coming up again in September. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, hit me up. I will shoot you a link. Um, I do have an affiliate link that I could send you. You could get signed up. It is um, a place where you can um, get on other podcasts or meet other podcasters or people who are doing the kind of things that you are doing. But Deanna has an amazing story. Uh, she goes through some serious, um, some serious decisions uh, and health crisis, and one after the other, what we see is that God 
providentially provides for her way before she even knew it, even knew what he was doing. And uh, that's why we call this episode The Confidence of Providence and how trusting God's providence led Deanna to more confidence in her life. So I'm going to go go ahead and just play that conversation with Deanna. And uh, here it is. Here's my conversation with Deanna Juan. Deanna, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, it's really wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am happy to, glad to have you uh, and make the connection. So I want to just point this out. We were just talking about this, uh, but let's share it with our friends. You you and I were both at New Media Summit, which is an event put on by Steve Olsher, and we were in Tampa, and it was so nice. I woke up in Denver. It was like zero degrees or eight degrees, and I went to Tampa, and it was 80 degrees. <laughs> it was good. But... Uh, that was fun, but we get to meet all kinds of people. Funny enough, we didn't actually connect at the, we didn't have a chance to talk at the, at the event, but, um, I did drop a card in your, in your, you know, envelope. And, um, I thought, cause you said something, you said by God's grace, I survived, I think cancer, right? Yes. And uh, I'm sure you're going to tell us some of that story. And, um, we connected. I just think, so when I, you know, say something like, I don't believe in luck, I believe in Providence. I think that's, this is part of it is what we've got going here. So anyway, all of that to go a little plug for Steve, a little plug for new media summit. If you're an author or coach, you should definitely check that out or reach out to me and I can hook you up. Um, because it does, it does connect people. So Deanna, I want you to tell us a little bit about who you are. You've got this really great biography, um, and you're the way you're taking your story and kind of going out and, uh, and using it, um, with, uh, to, to help other people. So tell us kind of where you are, what God has you doing right now. Right now I work as a holistic health coach and I help people who have cancer to heal in a natural and holistic way. And when I say holistic, I mean mind, body, and spirit. You know, um, cancer is a very complex condition and, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. And so, you know, since we are, you know, human beings and I believe that we're really primarily spirit, you know, living in this human body, it's important to address all aspects of our humanity in the healing. Mm, yeah, I think that is 100% true. And it's interesting because it's funny because no matter, we have people who are in, let's say, the medical profession who can treat your body. We have people in the spiritual world who will treat your soul, right? But how often do we connect? How often do we connect it to treat the entire person? Um, so I think, yeah, what you're doing is great. That's awesome. That's exactly right, because I, I feel like, you know, the medical system, they're excellent for treating crises, you know, accidents, any kind of acute condition. And um, but, you know, they take really a, a very biochemical kind of a approach. And it's really important to look at other aspects. I mean, I think many, many years ago, even the emotional wellness was in the Merck manual, but they have, you know, since removed it. But I do think that there are doctors who are kind of going back to that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's starting to become clear. We, I feel like we've gone through a period where science and the, what we can see was very prominent and it's, we're starting to move back to a, toward a place where, wait, there's other things that we can't touch that actually matter. And, that's uh, right. I think that's a good thing. So interesting. All right. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that, but, um, 
so, but you have an interesting story about how you got here, right? So, cause, and you're, right. you're also really smart. I noticed like you've got some interesting backgrounds here. So, well, tell us about that, but so start out and go back. So I don't know. I don't actually know where you grew up. Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in San Francisco. Okay. Actually. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much grew up there until I, you know, decided, you know, that I wanted to go to college and I applied to go to the Air Force Academy. And that was really the first time I moved away and first time I'd seen snow at the age of 18. <laughs> was that Colorado Springs? That's exactly that's, right. Yeah, that's yes. about an hour south of me right now. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I spent plenty of time there and up in Denver as well. Very cool. So, um, all right, so you grew up in San Francisco. What was what was that like and what was the spiritual climate like in your house? Well, I was born um, really into a Christian family. In fact, my father's father, my grandfather, was actually the co-founder of the San Francisco Chinese Community Church. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And so as far back as I could remember, I always believed in Jesus. I, you know, I just, it was never a question in my mind. And I would say that, you know, when I went to the Air Force Academy, that's probably the first time where I feel like my faith was tested because I was away from home. And so I was kind of presented with a choice. Well, do I continue in the way that I was taught or do I go off in a different direction? And, um, you know, the way how I got to the Air Force Academy is an interesting story, too, because I truly believe that God had let me there mm. because, um, you know, part of the accept, you know, being accepted there, you have to actually pass a physical fitness test. And so when I first tested, I passed every event except for the pull up. And for a woman, we only had to do one pull up. I did zero, so therefore I failed the whole entire test. Oh, man. <laughs> I think you might have done more than I could, though. Like, I don't know if I could do one right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. And so when I failed, that's when I prayed, and I just said, God, you know, I, I think that if you want me to go to the Air Force Academy, you'll make a way somehow. Otherwise, it just wasn't meant to be. And so I had to retest in one week. And when I went back a week later, I cranked out three pull-ups. Wow. Did you practice? Well, I was practicing for the whole year prior. I was training wow. with my brother who was in the Marines and a police sheriff. I was running in my combat boots, and I was really working very hard at it, but I just could not do it. And so I knew that to go from zero to three in one week's time that, that was nothing but <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's funny how he answers those things sometimes, right? Like, okay, you need you need some strength here it is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He he really does answer. And so that's kind of how I ended up in the Air Force and then I studied physics there and um, you know, I my primary specialty was in electro optics and lasers, but I've also <laughs> been able to launch satellites, work in missile defense, uh, bio, biological, chemical warfare, NATO operations. Wow. Um, yeah. That's what I mean. You're totally smart. <laughs> Anybody who can, who can uh, study physics like that. I, I took one semester and I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing that. So well, you know, I have a lot of respect. Though, is growing up, I told my parents, I said, when I was a little girl, I said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a ballerina, a gymnast or a pianist. And they said, well, you know, you can't really make that do make a living out of that. 
you know, you've got to do something solid and those mm-hmm. are more like hobbies. And so that's kind of what got me, you know, going in the other direction. And that's how I got into physics. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So was that, how, what'd that do for your heart though? Cause it sounds, you sound more like maybe you thought you were an artist. Exactly. Yeah. You, you've picked up on that. I still believe I'm an artist and I really believe I'm a creative at heart. And so I would say, you know, I mean, in all honesty, it was challenging for me because I used to be told, you know, by the cadets at the academy, you smile too much, you know. And so, you know, <laughs> and if you think about the fact that I spent 30 years in this Air Force environment, um, I learned, you know, I, I just learned, with, you know, this is what you do. And, yeah. you, you know, you may not smile as much, um, you know, don't be quite as creative because there's a lot of conformity that's taught. But I still... I still tried to hang on to that piece. And so I, you know, I studied, uh, I still studied piano and I still was trying to keep it up. Huh. Interesting. Very cool. Cause that, that can be a, it's very, it's a difficult journey, right? Like, cause I'm, I was a creative as well as, as a kid. So that's why I asked that question because oh, I knew, like I wanted to be an actor in, in high school. I wasn't very good at it, but if I would have practiced, I would have got better. Right. But, um, the, uh, but, but I was, you know, I was like nobody in, in Iowa, you know, nobody's like, Hey, you can, you can actually make a living in the arts. It was like, get a job, you know, and go up and get a job. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's only been recently that I've said, Hey, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I can figure out how to make a lim- living at this. So, um, that's, that's why I heard that. Like, I'm okay. That's interesting. So we may come back to that. We'll see. But, um, Interesting. Okay. So you go into all of this amazing, you know, kind of stuff, been able to launch satellites. I know there's uh they do a lot of that out here in Colorado, right? So there's right. some yeah. companies here. I used to work right in a building, uh, right next to United Launch Alliance, right? They had a the building right next door. So they, they do some of that. I know. Yeah. You're right where the headquarters is. Yeah, exactly. So in- interesting. Tell me about, you said your faith was tested there. So when, when did your faith really become your own? And do you have a story when you're like, okay, I had to make a decision and this is the decision I made? Well, you know, I was, of course, you know, 18 years old and, you know, a lot of the cadets there, I think because our whole social environment was so different than a typical college and there was a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of cadets kind of you know, would like to drink on the weekends. And, um, you know, so I, I had to make a choice. I, I feel like on that, I had to make a choice on, you know, where, who or where was I going to draw my strength from to get through this place? Because it was a very challenging environment in that I was, um, the, I think the eighth or ninth, uh, graduating class who had women, you know, so, wow. um, yeah. And, and so there were still, people there who did not appreciate having women there. And there were people who told me that they didn't want me there. They, they wanted to personally make sure I didn't graduate from there. Oh. And so, um, you know, part of what I feel like I got tested in was not only just to, you know, you know, not, not just get drunk on the weekends, but also um, trust that God was going to get me through in spite of the threats that I received and, um, you know, and physically it was so challenging because I would have to, 
you know, go through obstacle courses, things like that, and basically compete with, um, you know, six feet tall, um, you know, football players. And uh, there were, you know, different uh, leaders, officers, uh, once again, who did not appreciate me being there. And um, I had classmates who did not like me being there. And, you know, they would write little ratings about me and they would say, oh, she needs to be at a civilian college. And so, um, you know, and I would get extra hazing. And I think, you know, maybe some of it wasn't just because I was a woman, but I was a minority woman on top of that. So, Mm. um, so yeah, that's when I really, I really just, you know, one of the verses I, I just love is about, you know, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. And, you know, you know, there's so many, the, the Rocky Mountains are there. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Right there, you're looking up. So just, I'm going to paint this picture for our friends right here. Right? So in Colorado Springs there at the Air Force Academy, you are looking literally at uh, the foot, you got the foothills right there, right? That there's kind of just, just to the West, just go like straight, straight up and they're beautiful. But then above them is Pikes Peak, right? That just kind of towers over the whole city of Colorado Springs. And it just, it's kind of there. It's usually got a snow up on top of it most of the year. And, uh, and it really is one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. There's a uh, garden of the gods is not far from there. Like, right. That's, it's all, it's just a really beautiful. And so when you look up to the Hills, like you literally could look and say, my God made those. Like, That's did you right. do that? Find yourself doing that a lot? I did all the time, you know, when I thought I could not go any further, you know, cause you know, having to carry this old, you know, heavy rifle that they actually had stuff with lead to make it even heavier oh, no. and, and going through survival training, um, you know, not being able to eat and, you know, just, um, you know, really learning how to survive. I, I literally would look to the hills mm. and I, I did feel a source of strength every time I looked because I would just meditate on how God made all this and how he was, he was the one who brought me to this institution and he would help me to graduate as well. Wow. So I, I just love that as a discipline even, right. As of just saying, okay, I'm going to look, I guess this is hard, but I'm going to keep pointing my eyes to the Lord to say, you know, and remember that he's with me and he's brought me here and this is good. Wow, that's that's really amazing. Where did you learn to do that? Well, throughout, I mean, just in church and in Bible study, you know, I we always had amazing discussions with people. And at the Air Force Academy in particular, because it was such a kind of a pressure cooker environment, um, I, I made it a point to go to daily chapel service, mm. you know, first thing in the morning before breakfast. And then I joined all these different Bible studies. And, um, and so we just all mutually encouraged each other and would pray for each other. And, um, like I said, there were just certain scriptures that would pop out at me and they just seemed so apropos for the environment I was in. And I just knew it was God, you know, speaking to me. Wow. Very cool. Which incidentally, friends, I'll just let you know, if you've never seen a picture of the Air Force Academy chapel, it's beautiful. And you should go check that out. Like it's that that chapel is just yeah I I thought it was the most beautiful chapel I've ever seen just so contemporary and I know it was so controversial when they first built yeah. it but uh, yeah that chapel brings back many good memories it, it's really amazing and it's it does it kind of have it looks like a mountain kind of right it's got that kind of pointy thing so yeah definitely definitely cool okay 
So that's a good flavor of how God kind of was present to you in, you know, a period that was really challenging. Um, and again, I, I just want to say this, like as much as I wish that maybe some of that, uh, those sexism and, and potentially racism, like I wish, I wish that wasn't there, but okay. You, you managed to navigate it with the help of the Lord. Um, so like, where'd you go from there? Like what, what happened after that? So my first assignment was in Dayton, Ohio at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And it was really an exciting assignment for me because, you know, I was fresh out of school and my supervisor basically showed me an empty lab space and says, I want you to create a laser radar um, system and, and laboratory here. Wow. So I got to order the equipment, the optical table, all the, you know, optics and put everything together. And it was just a lot of fun. And I got to see, wow, you know, those equations I learned in school, they, they really do work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, kids, you hear that? (laughs) Math does matter. How did you, how were you learning kind of in, in that period? So now you're moving into your career. Like how did, how did your learning with the Lord kind of continue? He gave me confidence to do what, you know, I was, I was fresh out of school. I was working with a lot of PhDs and it felt intimidating to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, and I, I told that to my supervisor who says, who, you know, really was encouraging. He says, Deanne, I think you, you can do this. And I had mentors and people who just kind of take me under their wing. And, um, so it was really an incredible environment and, I continued, um, you know, with going to the chapel service. I was active in the gospel choir. And in fact, that, you know, first chapel family to this day, and this is like over, you know, 34 years ago that I first met these people in the chapel. We still keep in touch and I still consider them to be my church family. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So, um, I know that eventually you kind of hit this, which I'm guessing. I'm so if I'm reading into this, you just tell me. But you hit you hit this kind of obstacle in your life. Um, you you have cancer, right? So um, I'm guessing that that maybe becomes a a time when maybe it was a dark period for you with the Lord. Yeah. So I was actually at my last assignment um, in the Air Force when I got diagnosed. And so at this point, I'm a colonel and, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm just going to continue on. I love my job. I was working um, as the commander for the Joint Program Office for Biological Defense. And that is when I got diagnosed with the ovarian cancer. And that really felt like kind of like being blindsided, you know, it just like it came out of nowhere because I had always been very conscientious about my health, watch what I ate. Um, and then of course, you know, being in the military, you always have to get your physicals and, sure. um, you know, and so I didn't know where that came from. Um, you know, I, I subsequently, I got tested genetically, found out that it did not come from, you know, I, w- I didn't inherit it from my family. And so I realized that, I developed this cancer kind of all on my own, (laughs) you know, based on, you know, environmental exposures, um, you know, possibly the uh, environment that I worked in, you know, with the science. Um, But here I was and um, I decided, you know, what what was interesting is that 
I was in so much pain um, that my body was actually convulsing involuntarily. And so the doctor put me immediately on a morphine IV. And what really shocked me was that it did absolutely nothing <laughs> to relieve any of the pain, not even to edge. You know, it didn't take the edge off. Yeah. And so I just thought, wow, um, you know, and, and it made me sick. So then they were giving me anti-nausea medication and that caused other issues. And it was this whole vicious cycle. So once I saw that, I thought to myself, you know what, I, I think I'm getting worse. <laughs> and so I said, why don't you guys just take me off of everything? And, you know, I signed waivers to have them remove the IV from me. And that's when I decided that I wanted to try to heal in a natural and holistic way because it just, it was very apparent to me, my body did not respond well to the medications. Wow. Interesting. I, so where was God in all of that for you? God was always there. And so, you know, I, I remember when the doctor first told me it was ovarian cancer and that I would need to have six rounds of chemo. I was terrified. I, I couldn't sleep at night. I would wake up in the middle of the night crying because I was not only afraid of dying, but I was afraid of dying like a horrific and painful death. Right. And so I was in that state until, you know, I went to this place. It was called the Hallelujah Acres Lifestyle Center. And um, it was run by this couple um, down in Florida. And what's interesting is as soon as I walked through the doorway to their home where they ran this center... I felt God's peace. And that was the first time after I was told I had cancer that I was actually able to sleep again. And it was the first time that I felt like a normal person again. And so God actually, <laughs> this is another interesting um, bit. I'm going to back up a little bit. Yeah. So three, three years before I even knew I had cancer, I was actually in the Pentagon bookstore. And as soon as I walked in, the sales clerk said to me with the Southern action, she's like, oh, you have got to get this book. This is the best book, you know, and I looked at the book and the title of it was The Hallelujah Diet. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was interesting, that, you know, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, I'm not really into diets, but the hallelujah part of it intrigued me. So I ended up buying it and I started reading it that night. And I could not put it down because it was, you know, the author, George Malkmus, basically talked about how he had colon cancer and how his baseball-sized tumor disappeared from his colon a year after he changed this diet Whoa. to an organic raw vegan one. And so that's how I ended up, you know, going to this Hallelujah Acres Lifestyle Center uh, when I got diagnosed. And um, I, I really truly believe that God had led me down that path to really dabble in it. And when I realized that, you know, just conventional medicine was not really um, helpful for my body, um, it was almost like a no brainer. I kind of knew what to do. And so I knew mm. at that point, 100%, I was going to do it, you know, just raw vegan. And, and what's interesting is uh, within the first three months of after changing that diet, um, my elevated tumor marker came back to normal and the tumor that was in my left ovary actually began to shrink. So I knew that there was really something there to this. Yeah. Yeah. 
that is really interesting. So I love that God sort of prepared you for this moment. I mean, you know, we talk about providence. Well, that's interesting, right? The way that he sort of set you up, um, knowing what you would need coming later and, and you would have no way of knowing, right? No, I had no clue. And so, and that's what I have seen throughout my life that it really does seem like God prepares, you know, he has prepared me. I believe he prepares all of us. And, um, sometimes, you know, we may go down a pathway that, um, you know, we're wondering, well, why, why is this happening? But I have learned through the experiences I've gone through to just always trust God, Hmm. you know, no matter what it looks like, um, no matter what the situation is, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the other thing I want to ask about, because I know this is something you're passionate about, is the whole thing of, um, like it takes, it takes some serious, trying to find the right word, some serious, like confidence maybe to say, I'm not going to do what the, uh, like the doctors say to do what the medical industry says. And I'm going to go and do this, uh, you know, diet and kind of other kinds of things. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's right for everybody. I don't know. So maybe that's, you know, and I would never say that to anybody, but, uh, like that takes some real, some real trust to do. I mean, so how did you approach that as like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. Obviously you saw some pretty dramatic results, but it seems like a big decision, I guess is what I'm saying. It's a huge decision. And it's interesting because I, you know, and I did a lot of research, you know, having a scientific background kind of made it easier for me to kind of pour through just, you know, research. And so I saw that, you know, there, there really was something to diet and, and so I actually got to the point and in, you know, fast forward, you know, I was actually in hospice too, you know, where they told me I had four weeks left to live. And yeah, I so believed in this whole natural healing, you know, healing in a way that does not damage the rest of your body, you know, that, that works in harmony <laughs> right. with the immune system that God actually created in us when he made us. And so I believed in it so strongly that I really was willing to die for it. Um, wow. And, and it, I, it's not a decision that I took lightly, but, you know, I got to the point where when the oncologist, he said to me, you know, you, you've got to do chemo. Your condition is so poor, um, you know, you're just going to die. And so one of my most challenging decisions was actually to not do the chemo and, um I actually prayed and I asked God, I said to God, um, God, if you really want me to do the chemo, I will do this. Um, but I need to hear this directly from you because, you know, just, you know, with my background in the military, I kind of knew the history of where, uh, chemotherapy came about. It was actually the military chemical warfare program. And so what I heard back, which is really interesting is I heard back, ask for the cytology report um, because just the <laughs> night before they had drawn all this fluid out of my abdomen. And so they would do a cytology analysis to see, um, you know, their cancer cells in the fluid. And, you know, at the time I didn't know what a cytology report was, but that's what I heard back. And so I asked wow. the oncologist that, and he initially, he said, no, uh, we don't have time to wait for that report. A hundred percent. It's going to be malignant. And if you don't do it, you know, I'm just going to put you right back in a hospice where you will most certainly die. But I pushed back and, um, 
What's interesting is that he finally agreed, and two days after that, he came back with the results, and the results were that there was no cancer cells in the fluid, and that really opened the doors for me to have surgery, and so, mm. you know, that's kind of what I ended up doing, but can you imagine? It's, it's almost like what went through my mind was, wow, if I hadn't have pushed back or, you know, really didn't ask God, um, because I was really very close, honestly, I was very close to doing chemo because they kept telling me it's yeah. the last hope. And all my friends, they, they were questioning me, Deanna, don't think so much, just listen to the doctor, you know. And so I, and I knew that my body was just too weak. It wouldn't have survived that. And, and so it was really just asking God, expecting an answer, and God answered. Wow, wow, which I, I absolutely love. I love his ingenuity, right? Like, because you can see, I hear, I hear stories all the time about when God speaks to people, but it's always something that, um, they either they need to hear or they, they know, like they just know that it's outside of them and it's just something that came or it's inside, but it's outside. It's not them. Right. And it's so like, it's almost kind of funny that God would say something like that. Right. We'll ask for this report. You, You don't know about like, why would he say that? Like, Maybe, you know, say, okay, do it or don't. Like, what are you saying? God, uh, do this, right? And so he, he directed you in a, in a way, which is really, that's just really fascinating. Yeah, we, I, I hope we didn't skip over that too, too quickly that you were in hospice and told you had like four weeks to live. I mean, that's, that's huge. That was really rough, yeah, because both <laughs> of my lungs had collapsed and filled with fluid and I was on oxygen and... Uh, that was probably one of the more challenging times in life. But I, you know, what's ironically, that's when I actually felt this amazing, unconditional love from God, uh, which I believe is so healing because there were so many miracles he did. You know, I, I was living alone. Um, and so I'm in hospice alone because, you know, my parents are, you know, my family are in on the west coast and at the time that i was in hospice my mom was actually in the icu out on the west coast and so my whole immediate family was tied up with her yeah and um god i saw during this time god is such a provider he brought people Mm. to help me um you know one one very interesting story is that um, this is right before I, you know, got into hospice. I was still trying to travel to go to these alternative healing places. So I was a- on a flight, but several months prior to getting on this flight to go to Atlanta, I was actually praying that God would send someone to help me because I felt that I was getting weaker and I was no longer able to make my green juices and wheatgrass juice and salads and everything. And so on this flight, I sat next to this woman, but we didn't speak until right before landing. And right as the plane was getting ready to land, I asked her, so what do you do? And she says, well, I'm a medical missionary. And Mm. I said, wow, what does a medical missionary do? And she said, well, when people are really sick and too sick to take care of themselves, I stay with them and I make them juice. I make them, I mean, she knew how to use the exact juicer I had, the whole raw vegan diet regimen I was on. Wow. And I knew that was not a coincidence. (laughs) Right. She ended up coming to help me and uh, she knew what to do because I would have these internal hemorrhages. I would bleed out from the inside and see all this bruising on my abdomen. And she knew what to do. 
in a natural way to stop the bleeding. Um, and so that was such a journey for me of just trusting in God, trusting that God would provide. And he, he continued to bring people to me just, you know, just even when I was at uh, going through months of rehabilitation, because, you know, after I had surgery and I was bedridden for so long, all my muscles had atrophied and I was just, um, you know, just like a little stick person, very weak. I couldn't even as much lift up as much as a dinner plate. And so when I was in this rehab facility, God just, I, I never asked this, but God just touched certain therapists mm. to who had never prepared raw vegan food to all of a sudden become inspired. And, you know, one of them brought in like after a whole weekend, she says, oh, I just want to make all this food for you. And she came in with grocery bags of raw vegan food wow. that she had never made before. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I had a, another person who I had never met before. She drove like an hour out of her way after she made all this juice and, you know, just healthy foods for me and came to give it to me. And so it was really very humbling because mm. I just saw God's graciousness, his mercy and his love. Yeah. Yeah. That was what you said in your two minute pitch. You said, God, by God's grace, I survived. And I thought, Oh, there's a story there. You know, that's, that's something I want to hear. Um, and so I, I just love that. So you were, you sounds like you were very aware of God's provision of his presence and, um, kind of constantly reminded that he's there, there with you. Yes. There were wow. just so many of these. They're really, for me, they're like miracles. Yeah. You know? Well, they are, they're totally miracles. What did that, was there something in you that, um, that whole going through that whole experience changed? Yes. A lot has changed. I, I really feel like my whole person has changed. Um, I used to be someone who was actually quite insecure. <laughs> um, I grew up feeling very just unsure of myself. Um, like my opinion didn't matter. It wasn't as good as someone else's because I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. And, um, I found that going through this experience was really when I really found my voice to really wow. kind of stand up to the doctors to say, no, I'm not going to do chemo. And it was really God leading me through all that. And so now I have learned, you know, and, and in a past, you know, like in my Air Force career, you know, we're, we're trained to always, you know, lean forward, take care of the mission, take care of the people. Well, I didn't really take care of myself very well because I feel like in working these long hours, I would work 16 to 18 hour days. I thought that was, you know, it's what was expected. It, it was like, you know, we're 24 seven military. Um, but now I have learned that, you know, God gave us these physical temples in which to house our spirits. And as such, you know, there, there are certain, you know, just physical principles that we need to kind of be mindful of if we want to be healthy. Um, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. You found your voice. It just makes you think that, you know, God, uh, I would never say he caused that, but he used it to, to call something out of you that he wanted to see in the world, which I love. 
Yeah, he God can really take what seems like a really horrible situation and just bring so much good out of it. And I don't, I don't at all think that God brought that on me. I know that, you know, it was really a combination of factors, you know, just decisions that I had made, you know, um, not having the confidence to speak up, you know, um, all of these things, um, you know, just the environmental exposures, I was exposed to pesticides, vaccines, all these things. And, but, but yet, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter how, you know, challenging, how grim the situation, God can always, and there's always hope that God can always bring you out of that and not only bless you, but the people around you and even people you may never even get to meet in your life. Right. Totally. That's amazing. Okay. So, so you get through this experience and you're maybe having more confidence. It sounds like, what, like, where does that go for you? You did, did that end up taking you out of the military? Yes. So I ended up retiring from the military and then I decided that I wanted to become a health coach so that I could turn around and help people with what I had learned because I thought surely if I can come out of hospice with God's help, there's no reason why other people can't. (laughs) Right. And so I felt like there's, there's a message of hope here that I believe that God has given me to share with others. And so even though I was not, um, you know, what I would consider business minded or a business person because I was, you know, military my whole life, uh, it, it gave me the confidence to really start my own business and to get the message out because I just really believe that um, our stories are not just for us. It's, it's to be shared. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you wrote a book and you, you wrote about this. So tell us, tell us about the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the book is, I, I wrote, you know, there's the first book was really um, about women in leadership and that's one where I'm a co-author, but the book that I'm working on now is really about my story Um, Not only about how I got cancer, how I got well, but what I really believe are the contributing factors, because my hope is that if people can recognize, they may not have the same story as me, but if they can recognize, you know, certain emotional parallels in their own life or struggles or traumas, um, that they will then be proactive in resolving it and not letting things, you know, linger or to run away from things or to just shy away from it, um, because I, I really believe that things that, you know, emotions, especially if they're negative emotions like fear or anxiety, um, things like that, that if they're not released and resolved, uh, they can really wreak havoc in our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And I think that's really interesting the way that our emotions affect our bodies. Like I'm starting to become aware of when I'm having emotions of some kind, like, where is it? Where is it in my body? What's happening there? You know, like, which is an interesting awareness. Yeah. I wouldn't have even been open to, you know, 10 years ago, but. Yeah. I I wasn't open to it either until I experienced it. And I can remember at times when I would maybe get upset at something, I could feel this ping of a pain in my left ovary actually. And that's, Mm. you know. That's interesting. Was so. Right. That is interesting. Yeah. I think. Um, maybe for like traditional evangelicals, it might feel a little bit strange to to hear something like that, right? Um, because we have this sort of very separated view of the human being, but I really do think it is, is God made us in a certain way and he made us, um, 
connected. Our spirit is connected. Our soul is connected to our body. Uh, yes, we can, we'll leave it when we die, but we're going to live in bodies forever, right? Jesus, even so God <laughs> lives in a body forever. That's just the way it's going to be because he is God incarnate. Um, so it does matter. It does, it does have some import there. It does. I mean, even there's even scriptures that says, you know, um, you know, that we're not supposed to fear. I mean, how many times is that yeah. mentioned in the Bible? It's it's probably more than anything else, I think, and how we're not supposed to have, you know, a spirit of timidity, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah. a power, love, and a sound mind. And so, and, and how, you know, merriment um, is, is good for the bones, you know? Right. And so... It's it's really fascinating when you look at scriptures. I think there's it's sprinkled throughout. Yeah, how important it is to guard our emotions, our thoughts. Right. Well, that, that's even really interesting, right? So something like that merriment is good for the bones. Like now we have all this research about how when you're happy, all the chemicals that go in your brain and they make you feel better. Like all this interesting, or the the ones I get from getting my all the notifications on my cell phone. Um, <laughs> right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, very very yeah. fascinating. Um, that's definitely true. So, um, okay. What, so I know that people can get, uh, a free chapter of your book, right? So right. You, I want you to tell us about that. I also noticed, um, that you have a giveaway on your, on your website, which is, uh, com. got links at halfway there, podcast.com in the show notes about sugar and the sugar cancer connection that, uh, is kind of interesting as well. It, it is. Cause I, I think, in this country, especially, uh, you know, there's just such a, there's sugar addictions. Um, oh my gosh. I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, you know, when I, you know, started learning about what happens, it's like, uh, cancer cells are really, they have a voracious appetite for sugar. And so, you know, if you kind of cut off their fuel supply, you know, then you might be able to kind of move your body towards the direction of healing instead of feeding the cancer. Yeah. So that's kind of what inspired me to write that. Interesting. I, yeah, I've, I've heard that other places and uh, I've been trying to cut my sugar, but I have a mouthful of sweet teeth. That's what I say. <laughs> I don't just have a sweet tooth. I got a mouthful of them. Uh, that's just the way I grew up. But uh, it's so it's hard and it is interesting. It's in everything, man. I went to the grocery store. So I'm trying to this diet thing, you know, mm-hmm. trying to trying to eat better. I had a shake this morning with spinach in it. Like who would have thought that a, a month ago? But oh, but uh, but I go to the grocery store. I'm like aware of how it's just everywhere. Everything in front of me is sugar all over the place. And it's hard to do. So, in, uh, you know, when you, it's kind of scary to think that that's part of the whole cancer thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it may not necessarily cause cancer, but if you have cancer cells and your immune Might system feed it. is not able to take care of it, then yeah, it could definitely cause. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. so that's out there. Tell us about the free chapter that everybody can get. The free chapter is basically the very first chapter in my book where I kind of um, go over the, that crisis that occurred on the day that I was taking command of this unit. That's actually... <laughs> when I ended up in, in the hospital. Um, and you know, that was kind of like the beginning of, of my journey. Wow. Um, and so I, I kind of want to give that away because really, I just think that sometimes, you know, when we go through crisis, we don't know why, but I wanted to share that crisis because that's what led me to become 
a healthier version of me and I want that for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So friends, you can get that at, um, it's at halfway there podcast.com. I've got a link where you guys can go to the show notes and pick that up from Deanna, get, get, uh, get her book or get the first chapter. And, uh, and then I'm sure you have some other great information. Um, Deanna, thanks so much for sharing your story. I love the way that God was really present with you. I, I started off today, uh, talking about Providence, not even knowing where we were going to go in your story. And I believe, yeah, there's another example of God's providence and kind of leading where we're going to go. So anything you want to leave us with? Last thing is just, yeah, that leading, you know, God truly does orchestrate uh, the events in our life and that whatever you're going through, just uh, don't ever lose hope um, and trust in God because he loves us. And if we can open our hearts to receive that love, it can be incredibly healing and freeing, actually. It will free us from all our fears. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, friends. Um, if you, so once again, go to halfwaythereapodcast.com to get links to everything we mentioned today, including the books and uh, everything. Uh, and then also, if you like this show and you haven't yet gone out, either taking the time, I know that you're busy working out or you're going, uh, you're driving or whatever it is. Um, I get it. But if you haven't taken the time and you, and you listen to the show consistently to go either to ha- halfwaythereapodcast.com, hit that contact button or to go um, and leave a review in Apple Podcasts, would you go do that? I'd love to hear from you. It's it's lonely being a podcaster, my friends. You don't get a lot of uh, a lot of feedback. And I would love to hear from you. How's God using this? How did God use Deanna's story in your life? Or maybe one other one that was interesting to you or the way God spoke to you. I want to know. I want to hear. And uh, I hope you would uh, just take a moment to, to do that. Uh, thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time, guys. Keep the faith. 